Hello everyone and welcome to The Stagey Place, the podcast where we here chat to those who make theatre from behind the scenes, from writers to directors, producers to designers. And on today's episode, we have Liverpudlian writer Luke Barnes, who brings Cinderella to the Liverpool Everyman this festive season until the 20th of January. I had such a wonderful chat with Luke a couple of weeks ago, just as Cinderella was starting to play at the Liverpool Everyman. So sit back relax and enjoy episode 126 with Luke Barnes. Hello Luke and welcome to The Stage Place. How are you doing today? Yeah, really well. Thank you. Lovely to lovely to be talking to you. Lovely to be having you on today, Luke. Today we are talking about Cinderella, the rock and roll panto, which is at the Liverpool Everyman this festive season until the 20th of January. Now, Luke, this is the second time we've tried to do this interview because I think the first time we tried to do it was on the night of opening in Liverpool. But obviously we're now chatting a couple of weeks after that first attempt. You've had the show on now for a couple of weeks at the moment. How has the show been running in Liverpool? Good. It's actually only been a week to m- week on Wednesday. Not yeah. that long, but it's going really well. It's sold really well. The response has been great. The views have been wonderful. I'm really pleased. Yeah, the thing about pantomime these days is that as long as we're getting the right message across that, you know, this could be a, the first time of seeing a pantomime for families, you know. And also, I guess it's the readjustment as well, because obviously this is a pantomime, but this is a rock and roll pantomime. It's a little bit different to your standard, maybe family festive, friendly pantomimes. Obviously, it's a, it's a friendly pantomime that people will be coming to here at Liverpool Everyman. But why is this version of Cinderella so special to Liverpool? So I think the first thing to say is that like it's a really interesting time to be making a pan- this panto at the Everyman. I mean, they've had the same writer, like same creative team for like a very long time. This is the first time they've had a new writer do it. So that's been an, like an enormous privilege. The rock and roll panto is like a institutional thing at the Everyman. It's been going a long time. You know, really aware of that making this show and also really aware how to play homage to that and how to like progress it in a way that I think would be useful for the city and um, so that's been a real privilege to think about you know I think it's also just like be really good just to take a moment to say feel immensely full of gratitude for the work that like Mark and Sarah have done over the years it was like my formative years in the theatre with, with this uh, it's a massive privilege to be doing it in terms of like Cinderella itself what the story means to Liverpool so like the main the main problem with a lot of the with the, all these stories is all the stories that pantos revolve around you know there's like a set list of pantos is that all of them are like morally and ethically problematic on the like Cinderella you know effectively it's a woman whose parents are both dead living with her abusive stepfather and stepsisters being forced to do chores not allowed to have any agency gets bullied grieving her way out of that just by marrying a rich guy yeah <laughs> and you're like that's not actually a really good morally or ethically sound thing to talk to kids about so the first challenge you have then is thinking about how you solve that problem and the second challenge is thinking about how that problem solved in a set in a specific place so like what is that story really about for me and for me it's a story all about people not being allowed to like be themselves you know like the, the the siblings we call them the siblings and this is not ugly is also a problem you know so we call them the uglays and the uglay siblings but in the original story like it's these children who are just being told that they have to marry rich by someone who wants money the person who wants money <laughs> wants money for no other reason that they want money cinderella is ostracized for being different to them prince charming um, is told he has to be charming mm. and the queen tells charming that they has he has to be charming so that's the foundation for it. i was like okay and in liverpool i think we've got like really 
a really big problem, I think, actually, with the expectation of behavior and scouseness. So, like, you know, if you're a lad, you're told to be like big dead, big dead out, funny, like take up space, you know, be dead good with like women and drink loads or whatever, like the scouse man. And the women are told to sort of like be beautiful and small, but also very large and very dominant, be able to stand up for themselves. Which yeah. is great, obviously, like some but like I think there's a thing about being massive and hard and also tiny and beautiful, which is really difficult. So like my big thing was like, all right, well, if the story is about expectation, I think expectation of behavior, I think that definitely applies to Liverpool gender. And the story, therefore, I think is about shaking that off and saying, how do we fully embrace being ourselves? Um, and the way that we've done that is like it all revolves around a fairy godmother whose idea is that love solves all the problems, and her successor. Is this idea that love comes in many ways, uh, but it all starts with loving yourself and you can't do any of it without that. So that's kind of it. And the hope is kids in Liverpool will see that and just have the thought that actually growing into yourself is more important than growing into what someone else might expect you to be. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously we should, we should say Luke, that you are the writer of the production. I want to talk a little Sorry. bit about your writing style because, you know, it's always fun to talk to writers and directors and producers on this podcast and find out how they got actually into the career that they are in today. So who was it when you were younger that kind of inspired you? Maybe firstly, it was to inspire you to get into theatre, but then you actually then finding the pathway into writing. Like, where does that journey start for you? So I got into theatre initially, I think that like I grew up in like an environment where a lot of like expectation on me as a young man was always like sports. And I like, I love sport. I'm like not against that. I love sports and I love going out drinking. And I love like all that stuff, football, playoff, tennis, boxing, all that stuff. It's like that's actually my world. But also like when I was growing up, I had a lot of like death in my family when I was a kid. I sort of like never got to deal with that in that world. And I was like drawn to like stories and artistry and stuff and I found found theatre just for like a local drama club you know I went to my mate went and I was like oh my god this is whole world we just pretend to be things and like actually access parts of ourselves and it was really playful and joyous and um it was like a whole world I never got to do in my real life um so I got it by that and then I did like National Youth Theatre did like shows with them and then I went to drama school and that's my way in to theatre, I guess. And I worked as an actor for a couple of years before I started writing professionally. The way I got to writing was through drama school, really. At the end of our drama school, they do this thing where they hire writers to like write your end of year shows, short duologues, really, or short plays. And they did like eight of them. And we all got in pairs and got paired with these writers. And just by chance, the year that we did it, it was orchestrated by a lady called Vicky Jones, who run, runs and did run a company called Dry Write uh, with Phoebe Waller Bridge. And just by chance in that group, it was like James Graham, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Penny Skinner, Joel Hallward, amazing writers at that time when they're early 20s. And I just, I, I remember going to see, and I just met these people and I was like, oh my God, these stories are like my life, but they're told in a really fun, accessible way. Yeah. And at the same time, there was a company called, there was two companies, one was Dry Write, and Dry Write did this night in a pub where it was like anonymous new writing games. And it was like super fun, you go and you play these games based around the plays they were writing. And Nabokov did, there's a company called Nabokov, and there's these things called um, arts clubs. And the idea was they took over like warehouses in East London and they did these like nights revolving around art that started at, like 8 p.m., ended at six in the morning. And there's all these like poetry and plays and music. And at the end, it was just like a rave type thing. But primarily loads of like new art that was created for that type of space and audience. And I would be going and there was all these writers. It was like Kay Tempest, Laura Dockrill. And I was like, oh, oh my, oh my days. Like, actually, this is amazing because you're talking about my life in a way that's culturally accessible to me. New writing in a theatre felt really, yeah, accessible is the word, I think. Because yeah. prior to that, like, 
I'd seen like obviously seen loads of I grew up with Liverpool Everman Panto, grew up with like knee high and northern broadsides, and I love all that. Like this is no shame, there's no shame, that's genuinely my vibe. But like it is formal, you know, going to a theater building is formal and like the style of the storytelling is fairly formal. But this whole new thing, and I was like, oh, oh, well, okay, so we can talk about things we want to talk about in a way that's for us. And then I was on a TV show for a few years, and I was, I was like, I fell out of love with acting. I yeah. found it really anxiety-inducing. I didn't like what it was doing to my sense of purpose. So I just made a show with a friend of mine, who I still think is the best actor ever, called Ria Zimitrovich. She's like one huge. I mean, her made this show together with a director called Cheryl Gallagher, who is amazing. And we made the show, and it was basically just like a rip off that sort of idea. And it was just about like going out culture and about in this form that was accessible, hopefully. Like it was just like a little rowdy two hander director dress with like German expressionist storytelling in it. And we did that at like a French theater in London, and like no one came for ages. And then last week got some good reviews, and then last week got busy, and we were like, oh, it's over now, it's too late. But luckily, I managed to like meet a load of people off it. And then we we, we won an award, take it to Edinburgh, then went to the Bush, then went on a national tour. And like, and I, that was like how I got into it, really. And then I started got a few other commissions and carried on for there. That's my way into it. And like, you know, I used, basically used the money I got for my TV show to make the show, I put it on in a fringe theater. And that was like an incredible privilege of um, having one credit for as an actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, like you say there, we're talking about like new writing as well, like being kind of like in at the moment and, you know, really pushing it. You were saying obviously earlier on that with the Liverpool Everyman, usually every single year they'd have the same team doing it. And this was the first time that they brought in a new writer to do their Liverpool Everyman, to do a rock and roll pantomime, which is you, obviously, Luke. You were saying that obviously it's a great privilege to be able to do this. And you were just saying in that previous answer there that you kind of like grew up with the Liverpool pantomimes. So for you, like extending on what you said earlier, on why is it that you feel so grateful to be able to tell this story of Cinderella in a place where you've grown up with your whole life yeah it's, it's really interesting to use the word grateful I've been trying to like deconstruct the word grateful recently I feel privileged rather than grateful because grateful implies that like I'm being um, benevolently given this opportunity but actually like people are you know people do jobs because people someone else benefits from them right I think it's really important for us to like unpick like language like like this because I've used it all the time what I teach young people is like we're so lucky to be making the show I was like no it's not lucky like we do this for a reason like we we are trying to you know we think that this show should exist for this reason and people are hopefully you know going to come and see it and pay for it like we've got to give ourselves the value of that I think for me like with this show I feel incredibly privileged because it was the first thing I saw 21 years ago how I got into it, working in my home city. And my big thing's always like, how can we have the biggest questions told in the most accessible way? I like pantomime, everyone comes to see it. It's an opportunity on a really popular stage to have a really pertinent conversation with Liverpool that I think is important in the most joyous, fun, silly, ridiculous way. I think like what's super interesting about the Liverpool Everyman Panto is they've got a lot of people in that process that thrive off the silliness and like and I and I love that it's a really really great medium to also add in some like social questions so like I think it's a really great opportunity to give joy but also to think about the way that we can ask our societies to be better I guess yeah and so Luke my final question about Cinderella is if this is a family's first trip to the Liverpool Everyman to come and see their first rock and roll panto why should they make Cinderella their first trip to come and see it's genuinely a good time yeah. <laughs> and i think that like one of the things that like i'm where i think i've just said it's been like really heady intellectual but like all that aside this is fundamentally a good night out you know it's a great night out for family it's for all ages it's not exclusively for, for children 
not exclusively for adults. I think it's the perfect balance for me, this show we've made. It's the perfect balance of like a grain out with big questions in it. And it's just fun for all yeah. generations, all generations. It's just genuinely good out. It's Christmassy and it's full of love. And it reminds us of our role at Christmas, which is to love each other and love ourselves. And I am um, immensely proud of it. And I really, really hope that as many people as possible come and see it throughout December and January. Absolutely. Well, it does sound like a fantastic production. I saw Ben, who was obviously playing the Dame in Cinderella, do his show in Edinburgh this year at Underbelly. Oh, is this um, House of Life? House of Life, yeah, which is obviously at Soho next year as well. And I spoke to him after that show in Edinburgh as well. And he's such a lovely guy. So I'm really He's, hoping- he's honestly one of the best people I've ever had in a room. He's amazing. He's so yeah. generous, like practical, and kind. I really am a massive, massive fan of him. Yeah, he is he is a wonderful human being. And Amanita as well, who obviously plays your uh, fairy oh godmother. We did Family Tree earlier on in the year and we actually came to Liverpool every man. So I'm aware of the of the city, of the venue, because um I was stage managing Family Tree, which Amanita Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Amanita's amazing. She's yeah. professional and like playful and joyous she's like god she's amazing i've got so much time for her yeah yeah so i'm hoping that i'll be able to make it to come and see the show uh, but luke thank you so much for coming on to talk about cinderella i've got no, two thank you. questions for you they're the questions that we ask everybody who comes onto the podcast and the first is about advice that you may have for emerging writers or creatives who are coming into this industry and would like to write for theater we were saying a lot in this episode about new writing about fringe theater about getting shows up on its feet what advice would you have for those emerging writers who want to make plays in today's current society i think it's really easy for us to do two things a define what good is by what everyone else says someone else is doing and b talk ourselves out of our necessity to speak so i think that like the big thing that we've got to remind ourselves is that who we are what we believe in the way we view the world and what our tastes are is who we are as an artist and the more we like bend that because we think someone else might want something else or like value something else the more we diminish ourselves and obviously like at some point we have to start thinking about how we collaborate with producers and buildings and directors but like if you compromise the values and compromise your taste then there's no point doing any of this so i think that like firstly saying that like you're a human being you have experience in the world you have a viewpoint you have a set of experiences your values that's what you have to hold on to and that's what makes your voice you i wouldn't diminish that because you think that someone else might want something else or you think something else is good Mm. and secondly like the way that you express those feelings and values and impetus in society is, is your expression as an artist and then like don't diminish that because you think that you saw a really good production by rob ike or by so and so you should copy it it's, it's not that's not it it's like you've got to try and find a way to talk about the world the way you see it and the way you want it to be that's an expression of yourself and expression and and and, and 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 that comes in form as well you know a lot of my work's been gig theater because I've, that's the way that I've, I've experienced culture and art a lot of my life and the way i think i can reach people and that's been a massive asset to me. So I think if I hadn't asked that question, I probably would have just been trying to copy Carol Churchill plays. She's written them all. So like, I don't think there's any value in me trying to do that. Then the value of me is me being like, I care about X, Y, and Z. And I, and I consume art in this way. And I, I really get excited by this stuff. So that's probably who I am. Yeah. And like anchoring yourself onto that is super useful because otherwise you just start just flowing with the tide and being like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. And it's not, 
necessarily the most useful way to think about making art absolutely well luke thank you so much for that piece of advice for emerging writers we're going to move on to the final question of this podcast now and it's the question that we ask everybody who comes onto the podcast it's the title of this podcast that's the stagey place and what i love to ask all of my guests is where their stagey place is for guests what i like to ask them is their stagey place could be the person who's inspired them to be in this industry it could be the place as a child where you thought up all these stories to then you know write and create on stage it could just be a building that you like to just visit maybe it's you know if you're ever doing a play where you have to find research and you've gone to a place that has really opened your mind and allowed your brain and your space and your capacity to you know draw in ideas or it could be a show maybe that you've done in the past that you're really proud of and would like to talk a little bit more about that production it could be anything or anyone that has shaped and helped your career within the industry so Luke Barnes answer me this whereabouts is your stagey place I think physically like the Liverpool Everyman I've got a long history with that but tied in with that you know 2011 or 12 I was writing residence at the Everyman Liverpool and when I was there they gave me a copy of John McGrath's A Good Night Out. And that's the book that changed my whole creative thinking, changed everything for me. That that book singularly opened up the possibility of doing important, impactful, popular work. That book's the one that changed me. It's yeah. a life-changing book. Really? His idea, so John, McGra- John McGraw's like yeah. central idea is it's just that it's like how can we have the biggest conversation in the most accessible way? And that's it. There's no like intellectual language around that. It's just how do we make things that are popular and important? And like, it's really easy in theatre to be like, how do, I, how do I make clever things? Or how do I make things that are like subversive? How do I do this? How do I get people to think I'm clever? How do I get people to think I'm good? And like, actually, if you take the ego out of it and just say, what are we talking about? And <laughs> how do we reach people? Suddenly we have a functional art, right? And that's yeah. kind of what we want. We want functional art that is like also a good night out. That's what this book's called, The Good Night Out. So you want to create a good out for people who talks about important stuff on a simply simple level. And that, how do we how do we get there? Yeah. Well, Luke, thank you so much for that. The Everyman Liverpool is your stagey place. Luke, that comes to the end of our podcast chat here today, talking about Cinderella, the rock and roll panto, which again is on at the Liverpool Everyman until the 20th of January. Luke, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an thank you joy to chat to you about the show. And again, I hope that I get yes, to see you in January too. Me too. And there we go. That was my chat with Luke Barnes, the writer of Cinderella, which is currently playing at the Liverpool Everyman until the 20th of January 2024. I had such a wonderful chat with Luke and I really hope that you as the listener took something away from this chat too. If this is the first time you've been listening to The Stagey Place, then welcome. You can follow us on social media, Instagram, X and TikTok at The Stagey Place where you can find out more about all the episodes that we release plus our thoughts about the shows that we go and see around the UK. So that's it for this week's episode of The Stagey Place. We'll have one more episode being released this side of 2023, just after Christmas. So do make sure to join us back for that one. But until then, I hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye. <laughs>